1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Braves and baseball fans, it's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes a long drive if it stays fair.
1: One
3: strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung on and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center.
2: him on the run. Yes! Yeah, 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 yes! Yes! Yeah. Yeah. lot Braves yeah. have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Left side. Swanson. To first. Braves! Yes. World champions! Braves and baseball talk. Straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley.
0: And hello and welcome to From the Diamond, Grant McCauley alongside Caleb Johnson here in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game for what we hope will be an exciting 90 minutes worth of baseball talk. Either way, it's going to be 90 minutes worth of baseball talk as we get you caught up on the Braves and what else is going on across Major League Baseball. It is, Caleb, one of the most wonderful times of year. I talked about this last week. We are getting a lot of sports, particularly with the football variety back because it is fall But if you are a baseball person, I don't know that there is a more exciting time than coming down the stretch and seeing all these pennant races and all these divisional races come to a head so that we can know who's going to October. Well, it's like Robbie Grossman talked about
4: earlier this week. You know, for for the players, this is what you hope to be in contention for in spring training. As a fan uh, of the game, this is what you want your team to be, you know, to be right there, whether, you know, not everybody can be the Dodgers and completely blow out their division, (laughs) but, uh, but to be in contention and, and to know that your team is headed to the playoffs one way or another. Yeah. This is, this is what you love the sport for. And, uh, and and seeing that level of competition is at this level right now, yeah, it's awesome.
0: That's exactly where you want to be. It's what you build your club for. And the Braves are a team that's been built for October, and that, of course, has been a run that's going on five years now. But this, unlike some of those other seasons that we've seen, has involved a very exciting divisional race that seems like it could come down to the very final day of the season. At the very least, it's going to come down, I think, to that penultimate series, which we'll see the Mets come into Truist Park and play the Atlanta Braves before both teams go off and play Three more games, so it could well be a photo finish. But, Caleb, I have had a lot of fun seeing that this rivalry that had been dormant for quite some time, it feels like the Braves and the Mets is back again, and it looks like it could be around for a while. Yeah, well, it, it's
4: like it had reached that point, like you were saying, of, of the Mets, they were laughing stock. Like it was you never really took them seriously, and, and honestly, we came into another year uh, of going, I don't care who bought this team and, and how they're going to really transform. I'm not taking, I'm not taking them seriously that's changed now. You know, yeah. like like they've truly put together a, a really talented team. And honestly, I like for for competition's sake, I hope it does continue because of it course. makes it makes things more interesting. It makes things more fun. I don't know like 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 being out in, in the National League West, like that doesn't that's not fun to me where you just run away with things a month before the season ends and and you're just you're essentially coasting uh because then, you know, people get into the like, well, you can rest guys and you can do all these mm-hmm. other things no 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 then you get yourself in a really chaotic position of not being prepared for the playoffs and so uh, I love what the Braves are right now where yeah. where it's coming down to the wire they're pulling out all the stops to try to win games and I think they will be ready when it when it comes to playoff time
0: yeah and, and it is it's more dramatic so it is a lot more fun I think by its nature but if you are the one team out there in each league which would be I think the Braves and the Astros that do have the opportunity to win your division by double-digit games in, say, the second week of September. You'll certainly take it if you can, (laughs) but it just doesn't seem to be the rule. They are the exception. Those are a couple of clubs that have been in October for quite a few years as well and, of course, have been uh, no strangers to the World Series, a place where the Braves were last year, where they went through the Dodgers, they went through the Astros, and they won it all. So, of course, we fast-forward to 2022, and now what do you do for an encore? You try to go win it again, and the Braves are in position to do that. Down the stretch here, 19 games, including this three-game set over the weekend against the Phillies, all against the National League East. And this is seven uh, games against the Phillies in 10 days, Caleb. And I know that Philadelphia's chances of the National League East are about as slim as they get. They're not eliminated from it because nobody's eliminated uh, anybody (laughs) amongst the top three teams. We know that the Washington Nationals and the Florida Marlins or the the Miami Marlins are not going to be doing a whole lot. But uh, the Philadelphia Phillies do have the control of – the wild card destiny, if you will, and they also have a fairly big say on the Braves' hopes of passing the Mets in this division because New York is not facing a team that is in line for a playoff spot. If you want to call the Brewers that, they're still in the wild card, but that's the only five hundred or better team that the Mets are going to see before the Mets and Braves meet a little less than two weeks from now. So Atlanta has its work cut out for it, and for the for the Phillies, they have an opportunity to have a say in how this National League East plays out, even if they can't be the ones to win it.
4: Yeah, I I was about to say, now earlier, you know, you you want things competitive and you you want things to be really interesting coming down to the wire. However, reaching this level where the Braves are currently, where it's like, oh, you're not playing teams who are maybe, you know, looking towards the future of, hey, what does next year have? You know, I've even I've seen some teams, uh, the conversation going of like, do they start playing for next year's rules just because they're they're already out of playoff contention. No 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 no. Like the Phillies are very much in this to to make a wild card spot and mm-hmm. they also get to do that really annoying thing uh of of playing, you know, hey, we can we can screw with your season, honestly. Yeah. Like, you know, we can mess with your season, mess things up uh, and, and cause the Braves specifically to be a wild card team instead of winning the division and and so um
0: you just you, you know you're going to get their best the rest of the way. Of course, you are. And you've got Bryce Harper back in the mix. They're hoping to get Zach Wheeler back as soon as they can. They are down Nick Castellanos. I mean, this is a club that's gotten beat up. And I think we were joking at the game last night that – Every time we see the Phillies, there's like three more guys on their roster oh, that I have yeah. not heard of before, have not seen before, have to kind of get to know. And it seems like some of these guys find their way into big moments and get some big hits against the Braves in some of these games. But this this race in the National League East, while the Phillies are kind of a distant third in this, they do have, again, some influence, if you will, over what happens for the Braves, especially because they're not going to see the Mets again. But this race between Atlanta and New York has been neck and neck. And we talked a lot about on this show, and I know we've talked a lot about it here on 92.9 The Game, and really anybody who's a Braves fan is uh, the Mets have this really favorable schedule. They don't have to face any tough teams. They're going to (laughs) walk through September. They may not lose a game. Well, that hadn't really been the case. And they're dealing with some injuries. They were swept by the Chicago Cubs at City Field. Uh, as the Braves were closing out a very down road trip for them. I mean, I've seen worse West Coast road trips for the Braves than 4-4, four and four, but when you lose four of the last five games, it's a little bit tougher to stomach. Thankfully, the Braves did get some help from the Chicago Cubs as they were able to beat up on the Mets. But down Max Scherzer, at least for a little while, Starling Marte is beat up. And the Mets' offense has also gone quiet. We're going to talk about the Braves' offense a little bit in this because they've been searching for some runs. But for both of these teams, there are some odd parallels. And oh, by the way, they're only separated by one game in the standings heading into the weekend. So that is certainly worth watching. These two teams seem to kind of be, in a lot of ways, maybe mirror images of one another because everything seems to be playing out very similarly as they come to meet here at the end of the month.
4: Yeah, it's, you know, you talked about the favorable schedule. Uh, I wrote down a list of pitchers that the Mets have lost to recently. Not, not very, uh, not very favorable to them. Patrick Corbin, Eric Fetty, oof, Mitch oof. Keller, Edward Cabrera, <laughs> Javier Assad, Adrian Sampson, and our uh, our old buddy Drew Smiley. There he so, is. You know, like World I, <laughs> Series champion Drew Smiley. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> you know, even if even if that was a guy that I, I picked on a ton last year. Um, yeah. So so a a group of guys that that if you know you see those names on paper yeah. and you go, all right, well the Mets are gonna slide, you know, just breeze through that area. They hadn't done that, and thankfully so for the for the Braves perspective. Yeah. Uh and so it, it seems like it really feels like we're we're building up the, the thing that everybody had been talking about is you know these these final few series with the Mets that the, the Braves are gonna finally match up. That that final series Is going to, you know, potentially make the difference.
0: And it seemed like that way when we looked at the schedule (laughs) and then saw, of course, what the Mets went and did over the winter. Like if you sat down in spring training and you looked at, okay, well, where are the key matchups for the year? Your eyes immediately went to, okay, well, where are we opening the season? Of course, Um, where are we on a couple of holidays? If you're a fan, because you might want to go to those games, Fourth of July, Memorial Day, things like that. And then how are we closing out the season? Where are we going to be and who are we going to be playing? And then you see the Mets in that, again, penultimate, the second-to-last series of the year. You had kind of a feeling it might all come down to that. And we'll see how this whole thing plays out. But, yeah, losing to pitchers like that, losing to teams like that, it's just part of baseball. I mean, over 162 games, uh, the old Bobby Coxism is you're going to win 54, lose 54, what happens to the other 54 <laughs> will tell the story of your season. But let me tell you, the Braves and the Mets, both on pace right now to win 100-plus baseball games, this is going to be quite the race, and it has been, and we'll see how this weekend will play out. But uh, some big things happening for the Braves on this homestand. I don't know that there's any bigger thing, any bigger comeback that I can think of than one of the smallest men on the field, but one of the biggest men when it comes to his importance, I think, on the Braves roster, and that, of course, is the return of Ozzie Albies. He was back on Friday night after missing roughly half the season after fracturing his foot in a very strange you know, backswing kind of accident. But having Ozzy Albies back at this time is going to bring in a host of different conversations. But above all, the first line of this whole thing that we'll go through is this is a great time to get a player who's been so important to all the winning you've been doing and the character and the overall personality of this club to get him locked back in there as you go down this stretch drive.
4: Yeah, I think it's it's like the perfect amount of games before you go to the playoffs. Yeah. Because I was I was concerned that we were talking, you know, maybe a couple of weeks later from now, and you're and you're trying to like squeeze him in yeah. right as you hit the playoffs. That would have had me really concerned. That would have had me thinking that, you know, maybe Brian Snicker would have had to get very creative with with how he, he how he used Ozzy and how he created yeah. his lineups. However, now you're you're getting plenty enough time, especially with like the way Ozzy finished out his time in Gwinnett has to make you feel really good. Then he shows up first game, gets a couple RBIs. You know, you you feel very comfortable. You know that defense is going to 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 be right back. Yep. Where you know very trustworthy. Uh, and, and you're right. It, it perfect timing. Uh, because you didn't you didn't lose too much while he was gone. Like that was no. going, that was that was the big concern. Is you didn't know. You know the the different names that slid through there. Von Grissom held it down, and sure, there's a lot of conversations about Von Grissom that can be had, and and that and we'll, we will, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but like you said, the, the first and foremost for first and foremost, Ozzy's back. Like like yeah. that is a it, it's a breath of fresh air. It's a sigh of relief. Uh, you get him back in the in the clubhouse and the mm-hmm. dugout bringing that energy and and even though brian sicker w- was very quick to to calm down that you know oh no it's not like the the clubhouse and the and the dugouts just been really lull since he's been gone you don't know no there's been other guys to pick him up but uh but he's definitely an, an integral part. And uh, Braves fans really showed it with with his first at bat, too. I thought that was really, really cool of, of Truist Park.
0: Yeah, they did. Warm ovation. I, I mean, you had to expect it for Ozzy. I mean, yeah. he's one of the most popular players the Braves have. He's been such a fixture for Atlanta and all the winning that they've done. And, of course, part of the World Series team last year. And a guy that's going to be around for a while your all-star starting second baseman to get him back at this time. I know the joke is, well, it's kind of like making a trade. Brian (laughs) Snitker even made that joke before the game came back or before Ozzy came back prior to last night's game. But this was, I think, a very important addition to this club. But in doing so, it is going to change some of the dynamics here. And Vaughn Grissom's name is one that Braves fans have come to know and to love because he did step in, I think, at an important time where the Braves' offense seemed like it was starting to maybe hit one of those snags, one of those Mm -hmm. lulls in August. And we didn't know who was going to hold down second base when it looked like Orlando Arcia had suffered what could have been a much worse hamstring injury than it ended up being, but the Braves had to turn somewhere. They turned to Double A Mississippi, and Vaughn Grissom has come along, hitting over 300, hitting for some power, coming up with some big hits, and playing kind of out of position. He's not really a second baseman by trade. But I wanted to ask Brian Snitker this: What does the return of Ozzy Albies mean for Vaughn Grissom? Where is it going to go? And this was our exchange yesterday prior to the game.
3: It completes our team when they're there, and and Ronnie's in right because he's a.
0: You got an awful lot from Vaughn Grissom over the past month and a half. What's kind of the ideas moving forward for ways to maybe keep him engaged?
3: And- yeah, I don't know. We'll just wait and see. Again, that'll be a day-to-day thing, see how we match up. Maybe a certain time in the lineup or, you know, if Ozzie needs a day to DH, we can plug him in. We're going to work him out in the outfield. and you know, But, uh, you know, the focus is going to be on winning games, putting the team out there that day that we can win a game. It's not going to be on individuals. So, you know, he just got to stay ready and to do whatever we need him to do. I don't know that
0: the Braves have ever really been a team that's just focused more so on any individual than what they're trying to do collectively. I mean, they have a lot of stars who individually can mean an awful lot and can just show out the way that, say, Ronald Acuna Jr. did last night. But Vaughn Grissom, I think, is going to be an important member of their club moving forward wherever they're able to find those at-bats. We've got a lot more to get to here on From the Diamond. We appreciate you joining us here on a Saturday afternoon. Grant McCauley and Caleb Johnson with you from the Kia Studios. We'll continue right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I
2: love baseball. Now back to more Grant McCauley and From the Diamond on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game.
0: And welcome back in. This is From the Diamond. Grant McCauley and Caleb Johnson with you from the Kia Studios right here in Midtown. Got a lot more Braves and baseball talk for you on 92.9 The Game, of course, as we take you through what has been and I think an eventful week and of course an eventful time for the Atlanta Braves and all of Major League Baseball coming down the stretch here. Atlanta is in battle with the Philadelphia Phillies this weekend, the first of a, a three-game set that they played on Friday night. Picked up a big comeback victory, got Ozzy Albies back in the lineup, got a, a, a go-ahead home run from Ronald Acuna Jr. We talked about this yesterday, you and I, as we were kind of you know, watching what the Braves were doing, how they were going to look as this series opened up and. How important is it to get Ronald Acuna Jr. going? How important was it to get Ozzie Albies back in the lineup? Those are things we're going to continue to discuss here, but I wanted to kind of button up the discussion we were starting on Vaughn Grissom and his playing time. I feel like he came in at a very important time and played an important role to bridge and to get you to the time where you got Ozzie Albies back in the mix here. Vaughn's cooled off over the past couple of three weeks, and I think all rookies are going to have some highs and lows throughout a season and throughout their career. But it's been impressive to see the way that I feel like he is capable of working at-bats and making adjustments. But now, Caleb, with fewer at-bats and fewer plate appearances, with second base no longer an everyday job for him. It's going to be interesting to see how the Braves mixed him in. We heard what Brian Snitker had to say, but I still think that getting Ozzy back and having Vaughn Grissom in the mix here does make the Braves lineup, or not the Braves lineup, but the Braves roster deeper than it was prior to Ozzy getting back.
4: Yeah, I think the big thing about what Snit said there was the fact of, you know, we're focused on the team essentially, and that was a very polite way of mm-hmm. saying, "I'm not going to great lengths to play Vaughn Grissom just because Vaughn Grissom had some solid playing time." You know, like like Vaughn was filling in a role. He need you know we we needed to to plug a hole. He plugged a, yeah. a very well, I'd say. Yes, you know, f- plugged that hole very well. However, when it comes to the overall you know performance of the team. I'm going to play the best guys, you know, and that's what you would expect from Snit. And so, you know, he's he sure as Snit said, you you might see Vaughn, you know, play some second base and an Aussie DH or you might see him get some time out in left field or something like that. But that's really not like, you know, preparing us for the playoffs or anything like that. Like like Vaughn is now on the bench. He's a young guy, and and I feel like because of the success of Michael Harris this season, that fans, you know, and people watching just want to go like, well, well, Vaughn's fitting right in right. there too. Anonymous, yeah, and and he's gonna do exactly the same. No, 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 hold on, hold up. You know, like, like there, there's a reason why. At least I expect Michael Harris to win Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Like, like, he's having an incredible season, and he's also playing a position that the Braves need. Yes, uh, you know, he, he's not just like added depth or something like that. Like, like Vaughn. Is. So it, yeah, it, it's just it's not the same situation. Uh, and it's honest it's a really good problem to have, like, like to to be able to debate or, or wonder about, you know, the future and what happens with that sort of position. That's great, rather than going like, oh, I got no idea who's going right. to lock down that position. As the Braves kind of felt there for at least for a second when mm-hmm. when you know it was very uncertain of, of how Orlando RC was going to play his injury and everything like that. Like so many question marks to come to to this period of time. It, it's great, and it, it's I feel like I just need fans to calm down, that you're going to see a lot less of Von Grissman. It's going to be okay.
0: Yeah, no, I do think it'll be okay because you are getting an all-star back that's going to play that position every day, and it's been such an, an important part of this team by getting Ozzie Albies back in there, but if Michael Harris getting a promotion was a surprise, Vaughn Grissom was like an off-the-board surprise. I don't yeah. think that he's anybody that if you came in and ranked you know, the Braves' prospects that you expected to see in 2022, particularly before September when there's the very minor roster expansion now, I don't think you would have expected that the Braves would push him beyond that because keeping in mind – he started off this year in A-ball, but he, he played well there in Rome. He went to Mississippi. He played well. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he and Michael Harris are synonymous when it does come to their skill sets. Because, Harris, there's a reason that he was at the top of that prospect list. And there's also a reason that Von Gristom was a heat seeker on that prospect list. Because they are both impressive players. But they are, and I'm glad you pointed that out, kind of in different situations, Michael Harris – He showed the Braves a lot, and they believed that he was ready to help them fill a definite need, being able to put him in center field, move Adam Duvall over to left field. Of course, the unfortunate injury to Duvall is what it is, but Adam started playing better once he moved over to left field. Mm -hmm. You got Ronald Acuna Jr. back in right field. That's no minor thing either, and that's something that I do want to talk about as it pertains to the Braves down the stretch because we saw some just enhanced time at DH, and that was something that was more out of necessity than anything else. Because you wanted Ronald Acuna Jr.'s bat in the lineup, but you knew you were going to have to find some way to maybe take some pressure off of his aching knee. And you knew that the Braves lineup was going to be better for having Acuna in there. But the funny thing is that as he was battling through this soreness and playing DH, you know, I think Ronald sees the game a little bit differently. He doesn't feel quite as connected as he is in right field where Brian Snitker has made no bones about. That's where they want him. Listen to Ronald Acuna Jr. explaining what it was like to spend time as the Braves DH over the past few weeks before returning to right field this week.
3: Yeah, it was really helpful. You
4: know, I feel like I was able to rest and I was able to sort of recover. I feel like the pains and aches went away, and I'm very hopeful that they stay away because as great it was to be able to play DH, uh, it was a little boring, to be honest. So I like to be on the field, and hopefully I can just keep going out there every day.
0: Now, you were there last night when Ronald Acuna Jr. said, hey, it was a little bit boring playing DH. I mean, that could be taken a number of different ways. I feel like for a guy that's used to being engaged in the game, being the leadoff hitter, being a guy that can you know change the game defensively, that's been a challenge for him this year. Brian Snicker did tell me that, look, one of the biggest problems is stopping and starting in the outfield and doing all the things that he's normally doing. But this is a guy that loves being out on that field with his teammates for all 27 outs, not just four or five plate appearances a night.
4: Yeah, it's one of those things. So I I always have to be very careful in how I talk about Ronald Acuna because I often you know talk about the fact of his his childlike love of the game mm-hmm. and how he he plays it childishly in a good way because it's all out. You know he's giving it everything he has and, and that's what we've seen from him when he's playing in the outfield and and when he came back from the injury this year we weren't seeing that we were seeing a very cautious and careful Mm -hmm. Ronald Acuna. And then, you know, we, we knew everything was going on with the knee and, and it felt like we reached a point where it was more mental than it was physical, that Ronald Acuna needed uh, a rest and, and to feel more comfortable with his knee. Then you reach this level of he's DHing every day. And, you know, what, what is another issue that you might have with a player who, you know, it, it needs to be locked into the game. He's not – he's just not focused, and, um, you know, it, it is boring. Like like him saying that, I, I love him being honest and talking about the fact of not being out there in the field, sitting in the dugout, waiting for, oh, you know, am, am, am I up next? Can I go stand in the circle and, and right, start warming right. up? Like that sort of thing. Or, or going hitting, hitting balls in the cages, whatever it might be. Uh, like this is the best version of, of Ronald Acuna when yeah. you're seeing him out in the field – uh, because he he plays off the crowd. He plays off the hype, uh, making big plays. Uh, and, and you saw that this week you know, with, with him coming back and, and playing in the yeah. field.
0: Because he can make plays with his arm. He can make plays with his glove. Clearly, the legs were a big part of his game. I mean, he was playing at the highest level possible prior to the injury. So I think when people have expectations of Ronald Acuna Jr., well, it's because of what he has shown us in the past. But this clearly has been, I think, a physical grind for him. I think it's been a mental grind for him. And I always feel like, in talking to former players, especially about Ronald, like, where do you think he is right now? From guys who have kind of gone through injuries and played long careers. And they said, look, there's a difference between being injured and being hurt. And sometimes it takes a while to kind of figure out, okay, am I am I okay? Yeah, I'm okay. But this hurts. It doesn't feel normal. It doesn't feel the same way it used to. And how do you play through that? How do you kind of rise above that? And you know, ultimately get out onto the other side of that, which I do feel like Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to get to. Will it be here in 2022? I don't know. If that home run that happened on Friday night is any indication of what kind of plays he still has up his sleeve, this is a guy who can change the game. So you definitely want him in your lineup every day. And that's a big key when it comes to how this lineup is going to be constructed. The other, of course, is getting Ozzie Albies back. And this is something else that Brian Snicker discussed after the Braves win over the Phillies on Friday night, having those two guys in, but having Ronald back in the field and how important that is for this club.
3: It completes our team when they're there and, and Ronnie's in right because he's a weapon in right field. I mean, that's the biggest thing is the play out there and what he possesses and things he can do. And it just gives us a lot more options and just kind of Makes our team a lot more whole, I think.
0: Let me tell you, I love options when it comes to how you can build <laughs> yeah. a lineup and the layers of depth that you get. And, and think when the Braves started out their journey of becoming a team that had been rebuilding and and you know turned the page to, hey, we are rebuilt. It's still every year there's a level of roster management and construction that goes into that. And I feel like Alex Antopoulos' goal has been, because he came from the Dodgers front office prior to taking this Braves job. How can we get the most depth? How can we have the most talented players, the most versatile players, the the best mix of relievers, the best mix in our starting rotation? How can we accomplish that? Getting Ozzy Albies back and having Vaughn Grissom be part of your bench and and part of the big league club down the stretch. This is valuable experience that he's getting, not just when he was on the field, he being Vaughn, but also being a part of a team that you know one through 26 or one through 28 right now is built for this goal. And there are going to be ways to I think. You know, settle in these pieces and move some of them in and out, whether it's Robbie Grossman or Eddie Rosario in left field, if we do see Vaughn Grissom move into the outfield, for all of these pieces to go the way that they need to optimally and to get your DH spot opened up for the occasional Ozzy Albies day for the William Contreras at-bats that you yeah, want to get when that's Travis that's classic, is yeah. is catching. You know, you can't have Ronald in the DH spot, and particularly makes you weaker defensively on the corners and the outfield. So this is a big thing. It's no small thing to have Ronald Acuna Jr. in right field more days than not. And when we talk about this lineup, I mean, we know, Caleb, it's got to get going. This September has been rough sledding for the Braves offense. Other than the odd five- or six-run inning that they'll throw on you apparently late in the game here over the past couple of weeks, it has been a tough for this group, particularly one through four. Ronald's been off. Dansby Swanson's been a little bit off here in the month of September. Austin Riley as well, but nobody is going through it worse than Matt Olson. And this is something that he's going to have to figure out and figure it out soon. I went through and crunched these numbers. I don't know if you're ready for it. I want to just let people know this is sensitive content I'm about to drop here. (laughs) He's four for his last 57. That's an 70 batting average. That, by any measure, is a slump. One home run, four RBI. He's walked seven times and struck out 17 times in his last 65 plate appearances the hits are not falling for Matt Olson. He's been going through it for a little while now, most of the month of September, even tracking back into the month of August. This is the guy batting cleanup for this club. So when you talk about all the pieces in this lineup and how deep this club can be, you got to get these guys hitting, and there's no better time than right now for Matt Olsen to find one of those hot streaks that might look a little bit like what his first three weeks of the season look like.
4: Yeah, and and I don't know what he can do to really change this sort of thing because it's one of those, like like seeing Dan going going through a stretch like this, not surprising, because honestly, like as hot as he had been for this season, was abnormal to him career-wise. Then when it comes to Matt Olson, you know, it, I think of the the uh, the Twitter managers who you know want to go and well just just give him a couple of days off or or uh, you know just try this or try that. You know whether it's send him down, you know, you send him down to Gwinnett, you know, and, and get him. Um, some some different level of bat, at bats. No, like you're at a point now. The options are for Matt Olson to play through this, and it's almost one of those situations. Uh, I find myself similar to what was it? uh, de Rizzi, who had the rain delay, and during the rain delay, he he figures out you know an issue he had with. Uh, uh, with with this with his his mechanics pick. yeah with yeah. His mechanics and so I'm thinking like does does Matt Olson need a rain delay situation so he can figure out is this a mechanical issue or or what i I don't know what it is it's just bizarre that he had kind of you know it started off slow at least it seemed and worked through all of this stuff and yeah. so to kind of reach back to this level uh and it honestly look it, it is not great timing. To look over and see the Dodgers and to see what Freddie Freeman is doing, because sure. you know you you're, you're gonna peek over.
0: People are gonna comparison shop, uh,
4: and and so that that doesn't help his situation either, Uh because it, it's one of those like, you know, what's done is done. The past is in the past. However, um he's just got to fix it. And this entire like you were talking yeah. about, you know, the the top of the lineup in general. Uh, I think it was huge. Acuna. Hitting that home run, it was the time, his timing of it, you know, and the fact of he was helping the Braves come back and surge, and all right, now we're taking the lead back. Uh, You know, Medalson, he's just got to find his moment to. Uh, to to get back and, and to be a part of this offense.
0: I think those moments are going to find you, and some of them are going to be moments in which you don't come through. And unfortunately for Matt, it feels like there's been more of those yeah. lately than there's been the big moments. But he had gotten on such a great RBI pace for about 80 games where it really seemed like, all right, Matt Olson, the rum producer, is here. But after that grand slam in Pittsburgh, the lights have pretty much been out. Only four runs knocked in since he knocked in four runs on one swing. And this is over the past, or over the past, what, 17 games now. Looking at the OPSs this month, you won't be surprised at all to see that Michael Harris is at the top of this list for September. 1120 OPS for him. William Contreras, Travis Darnot, then Marcelo Zuna. Then you find Vaughn Grissom and Robbie Grossman. Everybody else, though, is sub 800 on the OPSs, including Austin Riley at 730, Dansby Swanson at 652, and Ronald Acuna Jr., excuse me, uh, Dansby at 654, and Ronald Acuna at 652, so the Braves are going to have to figure out some ways to get some of these guys going because one through four in your order can't all be in a slump at the same time. So we'll see if Atlanta is able to get these things going. It's going to be as much on the individuals as it's going to be on the club itself because the bottom of the lineup won't be able to carry you all the way through October. we got a lot more Braves baseball to talk about here. Caleb Johnson, Grant McCauley with you on From the Diamond right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
2: All right, Your place for all things MLB and our Braves. This is From the Diamond on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game.
0: Welcome back to From the Diamond. Grant McCauley, Caleb Johnson with you here from the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. We continue our Braves discussion as the Braves continue a big weekend series with the Philadelphia Phillies and 19 consecutive NL East games for the Braves as they come down the stretch. Only three of those, of course are with the New York Mets, but those are going to be three very big games coming up in less than two weeks. As far as the month of September has gone, we've been talking about the Braves lineup and the fact that, Caleb, the top four men in that order have really had kind of a combined slump. None has been quite as dramatic as Matt Olsen's has been. He is really searching for it and trying to figure out a way to work his way through what has been about a two-and-a-half or three-week absolute cold spell. But Austin Riley slowed down. Dansby Swanson slowed down some. Ronald Acuna Jr. has kind of had some peaks and valleys throughout his season but really hasn't gotten the home run swing going, save maybe Friday night. Perhaps that's the start of something for him. But, you know, what has been a bright spot in this lineup pretty much since the end of March or very well since the beginning of June has been the play of center fielder Michael Harris. You talked about him being a front runner for the Rookie of the Year. The Braves have a couple of those, one on the mound, one in center field. It's going to be exciting to see how that all shakes out. But Michael Harris, it's like he keeps getting better as we go through the season. He wins a Rookie of the Month award, then he kind of has a rough month. Then he bounces back, wins another Rookie of the Month award. Now he comes into September. He might be having his best month yet over the first couple of weeks. This is a kid that just continues to impress with his all-around game. And at the plate, he has shown that he is the real deal.
4: And to add it on, all on top of it, is like he is um – He's a guy you can you can sell like like he's a guy who his persona his everything about him the the fact that he's very flashy you know like and and not in an obnoxious way like it's fun that you throw in the fact that he's a hometown guy like every element that you turn to with Michael Harris makes you like him even more and and so it's it's so much fun when you know you had kind of you had been missing that you hadn't had the flashy from Ronald Acuna this season because he was either hurt or just wasn't performing up to his level. I can you know, Marcelo Zuna is an an entire case in it itself. So you hadn't had that type of player. So to get not only a guy who can be a, a future face of baseball and, and really is, you know, face uh, of the Braves and, and this rookie, you know, rookie row, everything that they're, that they're doing right now with Strider, with Grissom, with Harris, uh, and then you back it up with the performance, like it just uh, it it's so seamless, and it makes it an entirely enjoyable to watch.
0: It really does. You look at who is leading the Atlanta Braves through the month of September. Well, let me go ahead and tell you, it is Michael Harris II. He has been putting together the best numbers bar none of any Braves hitter. His OPS up over eleven hundred for the uh, for the month of September. Uh, and you look across the board, the power numbers are there. He's batting three eighty this month. He's showing great on base skills, and then. Just about once, twice a night, you watch him go (laughs) run down a ball in center field that you think, wow, I haven't seen anybody do that since that Andrew Jones guy was running around in center field in a Braves uniform. But power-wise, he continues to provide for the Braves. Five home runs already this month. That leads the club, and he's knocking in some big runs. He's he's driven in 13. That leads the club as well. So at a pivotal time of year where you expect a club that has kind of been through the wars, as Brian Snitker says, that has been through these battles, that has proven itself by winning a World Series last year, it makes it even more impressive to me that Michael Harris Jr. or Michael Harris II, I should say, is in the middle of all these things because you might have assumed it would be the other guy, Ronald Acuna Jr., who might be kind of the tip of the sword, if you will, of the offense at this time of year.
4: I think it's so interesting that out of the two guys for the Braves who are going to be up for Rookie of the Year, they're not playing like rookies. Like no. like they like Michael Harris this season has been a guy that you know ninety percent of the time you're you're not concerned about him like you're you know you're going to get production out of him you know Friday night an, another example of, of coming in you know driving in runs like like he is just consistent and dependable like all of the things that you mm-hmm. want out out of a, a seasoned veteran you're getting out of this rookie you know obviously the same thing you know a, a lot of the time what you're seeing from from Spencer Strider it's just and then you talk about the plays out in center field you know you and I were sitting next to each other on Friday when when he goes for a ball that You have those moments of like, is he going to get there? Is he going to get there? And he does. And I wonder
0: why I even question it.
4: (laughs) Right. Uh, And that's without even talking about his arm, too, where, you know, he's been a guy I've talked about that, you know, you're watching all these guys, college football on Saturday, NFL on Sunday. Like, no, 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 no. Michael Harris's arm is a guy that you need to pay (laughs) attention to, uh, especially on the run. lately, he doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter if he's, you know, scooping and, and, and throwing really fast. Like he is making it happen, uh, and that arm speed is is you know something to to admire for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean this is why the guy's a five tool player, right? I mean he hits, he hits for average, he hits for power, he runs the bases well, he he is able to run in the outfield, make the plays, and that arm. I mean pretty much everything across the board feels like it's eighty grade on a given night. He's going to find a way to show out and to affect the game. And the great players find a way to make their presence known on the field and. Michael Harris, I think the Braves have, have been pretty happy with what his effect on this team has been because they're going to keep him around for another decade. So <laughs> yeah. if you didn't already think that Michael Harris Jr., or Michael Harris II, has arrived alongside Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, and Austin Riley, Matt Olson, all these guys that have been signed to long term contracts, well, uh, just look at one of the pillars of this club that he has become and how quickly he has been able to do that. Another guy who kind of burst on the scene this year that we saw a good amount of in 2021 because I felt like he kind of got thrown into the fire a bit behind the plate, yeah. and that was William Contreras, because the Braves were trying out catcher after catcher. I believe it was half a dozen different catchers while Travis Darnot was sidelined with his thumb injury. William Contreras got the most plate appearances, most of bats of any of those catchers, most of them veterans that were traded for or picked up through waivers or minor league free agents, but this was a guy that you knew there was something there, and you wanted to see him get another opportunity. Well, when the Braves traded for Matt Olson and Shay Langeleers went out to Oakland, the opportunity kind of became right there for William Contreras. You felt like he was knocking on the door, but it might be another season at Triple A Gwinnett were it not for the fact that, hey, another injury occurred. Manny Pena, the Braves went and signed a veteran backup to make sure they didn't end up in the situation of losing Travis Darnot and not having a veteran. And it comes to find out that it's William Contreras who is actually the answer to this question this time around, not just what he's done at the plate, but behind the plate. He's done a great job with his staff, but... Let's concentrate at what he, on what he has done at the plate this year. He's posted an 870 OPS. He's hit 18 home runs and knocked in 40 runs. He's done it in under 300 at-bats. I mean, you take his production and Travis Darnot's production, the Braves have gotten more out of catcher than any other club in Major League Baseball, and that, I feel like, is one of the low-key strengths of this club has been how good that tandem has been, and in particular, the surprise candidate of the two is Contreras having a breakout season while other guys might be taking all the headlines. I think that's why it's
4: such a big deal of Ronald Acuna being able to go back and play in right field and open, like we were talking about earlier, opening up that DH spot. Yeah. Is because then you can go back to doing exactly what they did, you know, having Contreras in there DHing and then having Travis catch. Although there's been long stretches of this season where, you know, you look numbers wise and, and, you know, these starters were, were getting better starts out of, ha- out of having Contreras behind the plate, which is just insane because this is a guy who at the beginning of the season, it was very reasonable to talk about how, you know, you, you got to make the transition to left field. You know, you gotta, you gotta get him figured out in a different position because clearly his role is not going to be behind the dish. And yet here we go. You know, we're, we're presented with these new opportunities Uh, and he's really taken it and, and excelled it at, at such a high level. And another one, wild bill, you know, very, very marketable face yes. and, uh, uh, all of the fun that has come with the New York Mets and and his use of uh, the uh, Timmy Trumpets song and mm-hmm. and even oh he's, I don't know if you saw but he's got the 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 guys that do it with with Timmy Trumpets the Blaster Jacks I think is their name mm-hmm. they came out and said oh no, no 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 only Edwin Diaz should be able to use that song yeah. and and uh, Timmy Trumpets was like oh no I love every you know anybody should be able to uh, but but like just cre- you, that only exists because. You know, William Contreras is is performing like he is, and he's staying in the lineup like he is, uh, and and able to fuel more of the rivalry with the Mets. Yeah,
0: one of the little side stories in what has become a fun rivalry between the Braves and the Mets, and apparently a Twitter rivalry between various uh, artists and and, and of songs and uh, people who are apparently the gatekeepers of who can use what music to walk out from the bullpen or up to the plate too, or. As it happens for William Contreras, circle the bases to your yeah, song as well. That, so it's, it's one, a yeah. very exciting thing, most certainly. But Contreras, I, I don't feel like they necessarily gotten to the point where they want to give up on him altogether on catcher. But you go out and sign somebody else, and you've already got Travis Darnot signed for a couple of years. You wonder where the playing time behind mm-hmm. the plate is going to be. But that bat, they've always felt like there was some, uh, some definite power there. And he has rewarded them by finding these at bats and by stepping into the role that his brother obviously has done at an all star level in Chicago and that the Braves really did believe, I think, they wanted to see him succeed behind the plate, and he has rewarded them with that. Instead of him being traded away, Shay Langeleers headed out to Oakland, and that I think is the good thing about having a couple of different high-level prospects at one position. It was able to pay off for the Braves there. I want to talk for a, a couple of minutes at least about some pitching things for the Braves, and I'll call them pitching things because it's kind of <laughs> some odds and ends, but I'm, I'm interested to see you know down the stretch, and I don't want to turn into a full-scale debate because we know that Kenley Jansen is going to get save chances Brian Snitker's already said that. Was not available, though, on Friday night. Ryzel Iglesias was warming up to come in the game when Ronald Acuna Jr. hit the go-ahead home run. The Braves did not stop scoring, though. It wasn't a save chance. A 7-2 win. Iglesias was able to close the door. I'm still a proponent of taking an arm like that and giving him some save opportunities, if not for nothing else, than to kind of share that responsibility insofar as you allow Jansen to work through what has been, I think, either mechanically, mentally, whatever it may be, a challenging time for him at a time of the year where the club can't really afford to have more challenges when they're trying to close out and win every single game they can.
4: Yeah. honest, on like this is why Alex Anthopoulos made this trade for right. Iglesias, is because you wanted to have this option. You obviously you didn't know at the trade deadline where Kenley was going to be headed because he's had, you know, it, it's not like he just stopped making saves. Like, like he's had plenty of save opportunities and, right. and what? It's up in the uh, 33 34 something yeah. like that at this point uh, but the as of lately kind of stuff you know you you, you have to there watch that sort of, yeah you have to watch that sort of thing and and so now when you see you know and oh okay he's got a pinky issue and so that's something we got to monitor now uh I think it's it's the Braves especially at this time of year want to be Very careful because he is and this is something that you and I have talked about off air, he's gonna definitely be a part of this postseason roster, of course. Like, Like of course. You know, without question. And so you you need him confident. And so that's what honestly what the Braves need to be focused on the rest of this regular season is getting Kenley Jansen confident and whether that means, you know, in, in different opportunities turning to Iglesias, that's what you
0: gotta do. Yeah, I just feel like it's better to have more options. I told you earlier I love having options sure. throughout the lineup to figure out how you want to match up on a given day and who might be a, a little bit of a stronger option against a certain pitcher. Well, the same can be said for pitchers against certain lineups, against certain parts of the lineup. And Kinley Jansen has a definite role to play here, but you go out and get Ricella Glacius to your point. This is to make the bullpen better. This is to have more weapons, not just the one, but to have a bunch of them. The Braves though did lose one of their relievers for at least the next couple of weeks. And we'll see how this plays out. But Kirby Yates, who was coming back from his second Tommy John surgery, uh, placed place on the injured list, elbow inflammation for him. You hate to see that. So uh, that's one of the arms that will not be available for the Braves down the stretch. And, That really just means this group has to, you know, work a little bit harder, step up a little bit more, and pitch some beginnings for the Braves down the stretch. So we'll see how that all plays out, of course, as we continue here on From the Diamond. We've got a lot more Braves talk to get to, and we've got some Major League Baseball talk. When we come back, we will take a look at the National League East race and all of what's going on across the National League and a little bit of the American League as well right here on From the Diamond on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
2: Back to more from the Diamond, Sports Radio 92.9, the game.
0: And welcome back in as we begin the final couple of segments of the show. we got a lot more baseball time to get to. We've talked a lot about the Atlanta Braves, who, of course, are coming down the stretch trying to track down the New York Mets. They entered the weekend just one game back in the NL East race. And there are a lot of races, of course, coming to a crescendo, if you will, Caleb. <laughs> Uh, at this time of year. Graham McCauley, Caleb Johnson with you uh, in the Kia Studios, and we're going to take a look at what's going on across the National League and a little bit of the American League races as well. And, of course, we got to start in the NL East. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, so there's no reason to, I, I guess, prolong our discussion on this. But I do think it's fascinating that everybody looked at the September schedules and said, oh, The New York Mets are just going to run away and hide with this thing. The Braves really have no chance of keeping this thing close. The Mets may not lose a series. They may not lose a game this month until they see the Atlanta Braves, of course, later on in September. I think the more pragmatic baseball fans and perhaps more pragmatic Mets and Braves fans knew there was a lot that could happen over the final 30 or so games of the year, and we're seeing that play out the first couple of weeks in September because while the Braves have, for the most part, been able to continue their winning ways, they have a couple of speed bumps on this road trip, the Mets have had a little bit tougher time with some teams that they should not have necessarily. You wouldn't have thought had a very tough time with.
4: Yeah, now you're seeing, you know, against a team like the Pirates, who obviously you know have got a a host of of just lack of of talent. Like right. they're they're just not right. up to the level of you know a lot of other teams. You're you're seeing the Mets roll, but uh, that's why games you know aren't decided on paper. No, they're, they're not played there. They're they're, they're played out, uh, and teams. What do they like to do? What have we seen teams earlier this season with the Braves? You're playing the defending world champions. You want to take them down. You're you're playing a team who is expected to be. Yeah. You're you know, not
0: sneaking up on anybody. No. Uh
4: and, and so that's what the Mets have run into is. And maybe even a little bit of, dare I say, letting their foot off the gas a bit of thinking they can cruise through some of these teams. And so. um I'm not entirely surprised because, oh, okay, the Mets, you know, you're telling me the Mets are metsing at this point uh, and, and really having some struggles uh, in that, you know, that that 10 game lead that they had is, is all but vanished. Uh, this is the perfect opportunity for, for the Braves to, uh, to be able to catch them in the division and, and at least keep it extremely close as they head to that, that head-to-head matchup.
0: The crazy thing about when you go look at the Braves' June 1st record and talk about it's one of the best, if not the best, in all of Major League Baseball since that arbitrary date where the Braves pretty much turned their entire season around with a 14-game winning streak is since June 1st, the Mets have not been a bad team whatsoever. They've been playing baseball and winning at about a 600 clip which is usually pretty good. The problem is the Braves have been playing and winning at about a 650 to 675 clip, depending on, you know, some highs and lows that they have had throughout because it seems like they lose three in a row, then they go win eight in a row or go win a couple of series, at least back-to-back, grab a sweep that they need to get back on track. That has been, I think, the uh, the makeup of the Braves this year. And that resiliency is what has this as a one-game race as we sit here in the middle of September waiting to see what happens over the final two and a half weeks. Now, there's not quite as much drama going on in the National League Central where the Cardinals have pretty much taken the division from the Brewers after the All-Star game and they have run off and hid pretty much from Milwaukee and the Brewers are clinging to wild card hopes that of course as you try to climb over a pile of other teams that you have to expect to lose a whole bunch in the final couple of weeks the math is just not on your side but one race I have been looking at in the NL Central I know you're fascinated with this as well is Albert Pujols.
4: Yeah, I just knew like once we hit the All-Star break it was like, well, this is a, a nice, you know, finish to Albert Pujols' career. Right. Uh, you know, this is going it's to be Yeah. And, and, you know, he's going to get really close to 700. You know, maybe we'll get in the, the 680 range, that sort of thing, and 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 it'll be a nice story, and we, we finish things up. And then since the All-Star break, I, I had it pulled up a minute ago, and I lost it. But, uh, like, he has been on an absolute tear until I think Friday night is the first time he went 0-4. Um, but... Hitting, reaching six ninety eight now. Uh, do you think he, with with these final couple of weeks of the regular season, do you think he reaches seven hundred and and you know and gets to that point? It feels like it's building up towards you know that. That sort of big moment for Albert Pohlholz in his final season.
0: So Pohlholz on Friday hit number 698, which brought him up to 19 home runs on the season. And you might be thinking, well, that's pretty nice for a part-time player who's going to be a a DH at times and is going to give you maybe a little bit of power here and there. But if you look at what he's done since the All-Star break, he's played in 41 games. He's only started, though, 28 of those, and he's managed to pop 13 home runs. It seems like Whatever happened in that home run derby, which was pretty fun to watch him out there competing with some of the young stars of the game as kind of that elder statesman and, and really there to, as, as Corey would say, to get his flowers, if you will. Albert Pujols is possibly, I mean, arguably the best right-handed hitter of this generation of baseball at the very least and should have a place at the discussion of best right-handed hitters probably in baseball history. We'll save that for another show, though. But with two weeks to go, sitting on 698 home runs, and the fact that I think the Cardinals are going to play him maybe a little bit more than they would have in the first half and maybe more than they did in the first half, this is going to be one of the most fun storylines because he's done something I really appreciate which is passing Alex Rodriguez on the home run <laughs> there list. There we go. Yeah. He's also moving into a club that has 3 members at this point. You got Barry Bonds at what 762. You got Hank Aaron at 755. You got Babe Ruth at 714. You hit 700 home runs in this game. You have done something impressive and incredible just getting to that milestone though is the latest in a laundry list of accomplishments in a Hall of Fame career. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the history and for the big milestone numbers. And, Caleb, who knows when we'll see anybody make this kind of approach on this kind of record ever again because records don't seem to be quite the same in the modern era as they were. Some of those milestones, I mean, that we used to be accustomed to seeing, 3,000 hits, 500 homers, you know, those kinds of things, 300 wins, we're not seeing them as much.
4: Well, and the storyline gets even better because obviously Albert gets to come home and to do this, yeah, to do this for the Cardinals as well. And it's important, I think. You know, do the Cardinals get in this position where they're playing Albert Pujols this often as recent? If they don't have an eight-game lead on the division, you know, like like that. Good question. That matters into this as well. And so it's it seems like it's kind of culminating all together pretty perfectly for him to reach this achievement. Uh, and, and to put a a, a perfect bow on the end of his career, I think.
0: Yeah, and what's crazy to look at with Albert Pujols is, yes, he won, I believe, three MVP awards. He probably could have won three other ones that Barry Bonds won. But <laughs> that, this guy yeah. has been around in a very, you know, a couple of decades, really. Where it's allowed him to cross over with a lot of different baseball, you know, uh, players. As far as home runs are concerned, you know, he was going neck and neck with Barry Bonds for MVP awards in the early 2000s. Albert Pujols was a teammate of Mark McGuire his first year because that was the crossover they had in 2001. I wouldn't have thought about, well, McGuire and Pujols played on the same team. Well, they did, and that was something that happened. But then Pujols really just went on a decade's run. They got him a very nice contract with the Los Angeles Angels. That just was not the same. It just seemed like a different guy ended up on the West Coast. He had some good years here and there, but the slow and steady decline, you just kind of wondered how was his career going to wind up. I thought he wrote a nice chapter for himself for the Los Angeles Dodgers in a part-time role last season, and then going home. I don't know that you can beat that. So I I love the homecoming. I love the big milestone. I love the home run chase that I think is going to culminate with Albert Pujols becoming just the fourth man to get to 700 home runs. Now, speaking of the Dodgers, they've already clinched the National League West, so this is a race that we don't need to talk about. It is over, and the Dodgers have been on, what, 110, 112-win pace uh, throughout this year, and with baseball's best record, Los Angeles can sit on that first-round bye and avoid this best-out-of-three wild-card business. I mean, this is, is why you build the roster the way that the Dodgers do because you mentioned maybe they can arrest this guy or that guy. But this year, I feel like the depth of their roster is what's allowed them to be as good as they are because they have dealt with some injuries just like uh, just about every other team. But this offense has been, I would say, almost historically good. They have been incredible.
4: Yeah, well, and you, you talk about the Braves' struggles at the top of their lineup. The Dodgers... Have not had no. that issue. You know no, no, no. You're talking about Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, and and Mookie Betts being up there at the top and and those guys have just had incredible, you know, an, an incredible season. Uh and and so I just I do wonder though, having such a big lead and um I, I don't know. Also too, the fact that the Padres just kind of um I expected more. From the
0: who, who didn't though? When you look at what they did at the trade deadline, they made the biggest, splashiest yeah. moves. They went out, they got their all-star closer and Josh Hader, who has had some difficulties out there. But they went out and got Juan Soto, one of the great young players in the game, and you figured, well, they may not be able to make that run on the Dodgers, but this is going to be the start of an incredible run for the Padres to close out the year. They trailed the Dodgers by twenty-one games coming into Saturday. That I, I did not fathom after going and getting Juan Soto and adding him to that club and, by the way, getting who is arguably the best reliever in baseball and throwing him at the back end of the bullpen. This was not the way I saw this going. However, I will say, in their defense, the Dodgers, to, to quote our, our friend Frank up in New York, they, they don't lose. <laughs> yeah,
4: I, I think, too, the other the other part is, you know, I think it'll be easy in hindsight to kind of place blame on, on Tatis and, and you know, the and distraction. And there's some to go there, yeah. And, and I think there is, but it's not to this level. You know, like this is just a, a different level. And, and and honestly, maybe we look back and, and the hindsight is we just go, that's how good the Dodgers really were this season uh, because, you know, they do have an insane lineup. Uh, but it's just it's been kind of surprising. I, I expected more from the uh, from the Padres uh, and and I guess you know still have a chance uh, with, with yeah. the wild card, obviously.
0: Yeah, let me blitz through the American League real quick because there are a couple of interesting things I think that are going on. The Yankees attempting to avoid a second half collapse that <laughs> may have well cost GM Brian Cashman, who's been in that job for a very long time and that's saying something working for a whole family of Steinbrenners, but also Aaron Boone. I mean, I feel like those good dudes were both going to be on the hot seat. If this club had allowed their entire, I believe at one point, twelve or fourteen game lead in the nat- 15, yeah. in, in the American League East to completely evaporate, it got down under four at one point, but has ballooned. I use that term, you know, very loosely, back up to five and a half. The Blue Jays, the Tampa Bay Rays, both playing some pretty good baseball in the second half. The Yankees, not so much though. But the interesting thing that is going on in New York is, I told you, I like records, I like history. Aaron Judge making a run at Roger Maris's a single season home run record for the American League, and of course for the Yankees. That's something fun to watch. And I do believe he's gonna get there as well over the next couple of weeks.
4: Well, cause I, I'm thinking to myself, I, I think of like the money perspective. You know, this was a this was a money year for, for Aaron Judge where you know you talk
0: about betting on yourself.
4: Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and a GM, you know, getting his job, you know, big time in question. This'll add to it is the fact of you did not lock down Aaron Judge to a deal before he re you know, before he had this type of season. Yeah, that man is about to get paid. Yeah, uh, and and also you know and the record too, obviously. Like that is just, uh, it's it's fun to see um, a Yankee be like this good again. You know, like
0: it, it's fun to have that. Um, it's I, a storied franchise, and that's a storied record as well. And I don't I don't care who you are going after that one. It's always going to attract some eyes. But being yeah. on a club with that kind of legacy. That, I think, just adds to the intrigue of that one. So uh, the Blue Jays, the second-place team in the American League East. The Cleveland Guardians, meanwhile, have taken over in the American League Central. That's a race that's going to come down to you have to win that division. I think if you don't win that division, if you're any of those other teams, you're not going to get past the other teams in the AL East to be able to climb in that wild-card dog pile over the next two-and-a-half weeks. Of course, the Astros have already locked down the American League West or at least clinched a playoff berth. Their magic number coming into Saturday was five to clinch the West. They have the best record in the American League, and that sets up something I want to look at, of course, which is the wild card. If the season ended today, as of Saturday, uh, the buys in the American League would go to the Astros and the Yankees. Meanwhile, that would mean the Tampa Bay Rays would see the Cleveland Guardians and the Seattle Mariners would see the Toronto Blue Jays. So some intriguing matchups for the Mariners, That's two decades they haven't made it to October. Meanwhile, the NL wildcard Dodgers and Mets would get the buys as of now, which means the Padres would see the Cardinals and the Phillies would play the Braves. So it's some interesting things that are afoot here over the next two and a half weeks to decide what this is going to look like, not today because the season doesn't end today, but what it's going to look like that first couple of days in October.
4: Yeah, I, I guess like for the Mariners' perspective is I'm annoyed with them. Obviously, with you know the Brave series as a recent. They're so you
0: know. fun though. They're really that's fun. the
4: thing though. <laughs> is like I'm rooting for them. You know, it's like all right, you you finally built up this team. You know, go go make a run. You know, go do something. Just reaching the playoffs like that in and itself is quite the achievement yeah. for them. Uh, then obviously, you know, in the National League, yeah, the the Braves. Um, I don't think having to face the Phillies. Is the worst thing ever, but you obviously you want to win the division uh and make things a lot easier for yeah, yourself. Get that bye. Uh yeah. So you so you can have the bye. Uh but if it comes to that situation, playing three games at home at, at, at Truist Park, I I think is really in the in the Bray's favor.
0: And that would make this weekend quite the little playoff preview of the yeah. Braves saw the Phillies again. Because remember, we've talked about this on the show as well, is that seven games in ten days against the Philadelphia Phillies here is scheduling quirk to be sure these two clubs are going to know each other extremely, extremely well should they meet in the playoffs. So that's the way things are looking across the National League, across the American League, and in those wild cards, it's expanded playoffs, so a lot of intrigue here over the final two and a half weeks. we got a lot more to get to as we size up what's ahead for the Atlanta Braves as we wrap up this edition of From the Diamond. It's Grant McCauley and Caleb Johnson with you from the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
2: Grant McCauley for more From the Diamond on Sports Radio 92.9, The
0: Game. And welcome back. We are wrapping up this edition of From the Diamond. Grant McCauley, Caleb Johnson with you. From the Kia Studios in Midtown, we've had a lot of fun talking about everything going on with the Atlanta Braves and across all of baseball as the Braves battle division foes down the stretch. Caleb, these 19 games beginning with three against the Phillies this weekend. You're going to see the Nationals. You're going to see the Marlins a little bit. Oh, yeah. You're going to see the New York Mets one more time. I think a lot of people have their eyes on that, but there's a lot of work to be done before the Braves meet the Mets again. And I think if anything, Atlanta's got to keep its foot uh, on the accelerator and keep that accelerator pretty much to the floor.
4: Yeah, that's uh, Brian Snicker has talked about it, and 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 you, you feel like it's been like every Braves player you talk to, and we got to win every game, we got to win every series. But like that's what you want out of this is winning series the rest of the way. I'm curious though. How unique is it for them to be playing these final 19 games against division opponents cuz I know you know you get your you get mm-hmm. division teams at the end of the schedule obviously but to get it in this consecutive amount just feels very unique, and I just wonder if this will be something that actually even happens moving forward yeah. given the the new schedule that they're going to move to.
0: Yeah, I think as they get into the new schedule with seeing every team at least once a year and visiting those teams every other year as far as the opposite league is concerned, we already know interleague play happens every day because you got 15 teams in each league. So interleague has become a little bit old hat, but I do like the idea of at least seeing – all of the other 29 teams at least once a year, just checking Absolutely, in just yeah. see those clubs so you don't go eight years without, say, seeing Mike Trout, which yeah. is just kind of a sad thing for some of us. But then you didn't get to see Mike Trout because he's on the injured list when he gets here. But be that as it may, the Braves have to wrap up their series this weekend against the Phillies. They get three games against the Washington Nationals at home Monday through Wednesday, and it's four games against the Philadelphia Phillies at Citizens Bank Park Thursday through Sunday. They're in the midst of this run to close the season. It's an important run. Every game is going to be magnified. You know, I, I know we've talked about already a couple of different times that the Mets schedule has been more favorable. They will have to deal with the Brewers before they see the Braves again. That means that they should see Corbin Burns, which should be an unfun night for their lineup. And they've had some of the similar struggles that the Braves have had offensively here in the month of September. But if Atlanta can get Ronald Acuna Jr. heated up, if they can get Dansby Swanson and Austin Riley kind of moving back towards the seasons they've had as a couple of the clubs, I'd say, MVP candidates, and then you got to get Matt Olson going this is a Braves club that's best baseball I think could still be in front of it. I still like their chances to take this division, but the job is each and every day, each and every day and each and every series to win that day or that series. And I think Brian Snitker's done a pretty good job of keeping the Braves focused on what they can control rather than doing too much scoreboard watching, though I think they'd be lying to say we're not at least keeping up with it, checking in at the end of the night to see where we stand.
4: And it is a favorable. I was looking ahead, trying to see what these like pitching matchups are going to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, the Braves do miss out on Zach Wheeler this time around. A plus, it looks like they're going to miss out on Degrom in the Mets series, and then you face the Phillies again. Uh, right now, you know, obviously with with Wheeler going to be working his way back, maybe you see him in that that second series, and right and, and see how you're going to match up if you have to play each other in the wildcard game. Uh, but but missing out on some top starters, catching a little bit of a break right. amongst this stretch is, I think, going to be, gonna be uh, even more helpful for the Braves as they try to make this push.
0: And keeping in mind, the Braves did just have a couple of off days, well-timed, I think, on that West Coast trip, or that trip out west, I should say. I mean, I guess it's the Pacific Northwest for the <laughs> Seattle Mariners. But they're stopped by the Bay, both of them, and that trip out to Seattle. They got to mix in a couple of off days there, which I think helped, an off day after that trip. But the next off day for the Braves is not until before that late September series against the Mets. So they're going to have to go pretty much full speed ahead. Pitching matchups, as you look through the weekend, Spencer Strider will close things out against Bailey Falter of the Philadelphia Phillies on Sunday. Then it lines up for Charlie Morton, and we haven't seen Washington's uh, probables for that series. But this, I think, is important in that you need to see what Charlie Morton can give you down the stretch to get himself right, to get himself, I I think, in in a good rhythm if you will this time of year because nobody on this brave staff has the postseason resume that Charlie Morton has so it brings in some very interesting questions about how that's going to look once you get there but as Brian Snicker will will clearly say and I'll say you got to get there first before you start worrying about all of that but these are some important games for the wins and losses that come with them but also what different guys are trying to prove
4: yeah I I think that's what I was going to ask you about you know kind of where you stood with 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 Charlie right now because yep. the the giving up the home runs, like that's the sort of thing that that concerns me. You know, I mean, even look, Max Fried's going through a little stretch right now where yeah. he, like he went like what I think 10 innings. He's gave a given up four home runs and t- ten and innings in the last, his couple, his last stars, yeah, yeah. couple starts. Uh with with Charlie, though, it's reached the level of like uh every outing feels so difficult for him. Yeah. And so it just it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, and it also, you know, with when the alternative is, do you turn to, you know, your your young gun come playoff time? And, and we've I feel like we've been having this discussion for like over we a have. month now. Yeah. Um, Charlie's not making it any easier, though, to to lean his direction and lean in the yep. veteran type of way. And so I just I wonder, you know, how do you feel about him coming down the stretch?
0: Here's a couple things I would throw out in that scenario is that if I'm going into the three game wild card, you know, playoff, I am throwing Max Fried in game one because everybody is. That's what he's there for. He's mm-hmm. the ace of the staff. I would throw Spencer Strider in game two and then make a decision between Charlie Morton and Kyle Wright in game three. And the reason that I wouldn't just throw um, freed and right in the order that we've pretty much seen him all year is that it's been a little bit of a challenge at times for Kyle Wright here in the second half, I think, with trying to get through some arm fatigue and some other things. And I cannot wrap my head around a scenario that's similar to what we saw in 2019 against the Cardinals, where Mike Soroka was your best starting pitcher. He threw one game of the yeah. five in that series. And in hindsight, I just feel like you learn those lessons, you move them forward. Spencer Strider is a totally different animal than Mike Soroka was. He's the exact kind of pitcher that you'd like to to build at a factory to throw postseason games for you. I just couldn't imagine moving him out of that starting role and maybe only using him for a couple of innings in a series and not giving yourself a chance to really maximize that weapon. So that's the kind of the way I look at it. And, and to answer the question about Morton, I feel like maybe you go with the the experience in that third game. If it comes down to that, but I'm throwing Freed and I'm throwing Strider in those first two games, trying to win that series and move on. If in fact they have to play that three game set, I think it's all about learning from the past. And of you course. touched on it, you know, whether it's
4: uh, uh what Dallas Keuchel or, or Mike Foltynewicz, you know, yeah. like those guys had the the veteran presence. Uh, and
0: Folty delivered in the one, yeah. But the second one, we <laughs> we know how that went.
4: But that's you know, it's all <laughs> on like who is the hot hand. You know, how are you? How are they pitching? what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Uh, and that's why I, I completely agree with you. I love that idea of, of swapping it around because what have you done for me lately? Spencer Strider has been, you know, as good as it gets, you know, for yeah. the, for this Braves uh, Brave staff. And so – Why not ride the hot hand?
0: And I would tell you this as well. When it comes to this, that's only the three-game scenario. Then once you get into a five-game and And you get into a seven-game, and also think about it this way, Major League Baseball has eliminated a lot of the travel days in these first few rounds of the playoffs. So you're not getting to wait around and reset your rotation. You're going to have to lean on these other guys. So this is not about taking opportunity completely away from them.
4: And here's the other thing that we might forget also is that, uh, you know, like the days of the
0: Braves having to have a bullpen game, feel
4: long time. I hope so.
0: I hope so. as much as I appreciate playoff A.J. Mentor, I would love to just see him come out, pitch the seventh or eighth or some other high leverage situation after a brave starter has come in and done his job. Caleb, it was a blast. I enjoyed this uh, having you here on From the Diamond. In fact, it was so much fun. Why don't we do it again next week?
4: That sounds like a good idea. You know, I'm, I might not be up to the level of, of Corey, but uh, – <laughs> I'll do my I'll do my
0: absolute best. Well, we will have Corey in our playoff rotation. Caleb, I appreciate your time as always. Dylan, thank you so much. I appreciate your help on this. As from the Diamond, we come at you every single week. We're on Saturdays now, but you can also find us wherever you get your podcast or on the Odyssey app. There's all kinds of opportunities to connect with us. We appreciate you as always making From the Diamond part of your baseball regimen, and we'll catch you next Saturday right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.